The Unpacked Podcast, Episode 3, Brewing Better Coffee. I'm Jordan Shirkman, alongside my wife, Nikki. Today for the Unpacked Podcast, excited to chat with you about coffee. Hey, Nikki. Hey, Jordan. One of our favorite topics today. Yes, we are very excited to talk about coffee. We haven't been this excited since we talked about budgeting. It's true, which wasn't that long ago. No, it was was just a little bit ago. But when you have a lot of things you get really excited about, then... We're excitable when it comes to things we really love. It's true. So today we're going to talk about coffee. You actually have a much longer history with coffee than I do. We go way back. Really? Seriously? Though, tell me, tell us more about, you know, your coffee history, your long relationship. It's been almost 23 years now. And how old are you for the audience? I'll be 26. So since you're three, for yeah. those of us who aren't good at mental math. Yes. My grandma growing up, big coffee family, just Folgers in the drip maker with some uh, half and half or skim milk and grandma would leave hers on the table. And I remember the first time I was three years old, I picked her cup up, cup up off the table and had my back to the whole family and living room and just started drinking it. And I remember from that day on sitting in grandma's lap and wanting to drink her coffee and I've loved it ever since. So your family was okay with a three-year-old drinking coffee? Well, I'm sure it wasn't ideal, but you know, as a parent, you just, you pick your battles and probably just wasn't one worth fighting. So would you say that you're still caffeine sensitive after all these years? As in it affects me? Does it affect you? Does the caffeine affect you in the coffee? The older I get, the more it does. In college, I'd be able to drink two cups of coffee and go to bed, caffeinated coffee and go to bed. But now... Eh, I can't do that so much. I need a couple hours before bed after drinking caffeinated coffee, but I never had the acquired taste. I needed to get used to it. I had to get over it, but I've just always loved it. So you just dove right in. Did you drink? How did you drink it when you were, you know, three years old? She, it was just Folgers coffee and usually a splash of skim milk in it. Maybe a little sugar. A splash of skim, which is basically water with a little bit of... (laughs) cream added. It's true. Ew, what a weird thing skim milk is. It's pretty strange. I used to, this is a sidebar here, but every time I talk about milk, I, I think about how skim, you know, we, 2% is kind of the American standard and then there's 1% and then there's skim milk. Well, I used to think that whole milk was a hundred percent. And so I was kind of, I'm like, why isn't there, where's the other, you know, 98% in between here? We have 100% and then 2%, 1% skim, which is, you know, zero, I guess, Mm -hmm. but we have named it skim, whatever. That's weird. Yeah. So I was mistaken. That's not accurate. (laughs) It's closer to probably like 4%. Yeah. I envision 100% like thick. I need a spoon. It's butter. Yeah. 100% is butter. Don't put that in your, well, I don't know. But Probably. don't put that in your coffee. But people do. People put butter in coffee. We're not going to get into that today. But that's a, it's a thing. It's a thing people do. It sounds like a greasy, gross thing. It sounds gross, but there's, you know, supposed to be medicinal purposes. Sure. So, okay. So you are caffeine sensitive still, mm-hmm. even though you've been drinking it for 20 something years. You have what's kind of your cutoff point where you're like, mm, it's, you know, blank o'clock. I'm not going to drink anymore. Well, we usually go to bed maybe around 1030 or 11. So probably six o'clock would be the latest that I could have one cup of caffeinated coffee, ideally five. But if I was really wanting it and it was six o'clock, I'd say, okay. You'd say, all right. Mm -hmm. And after that, it's decaf. Yes. Now, some people hate decaf. I don't understand why. There's decaf haters out there. I've seen tattoos. We'll put this in the show notes. Death before decaf. No. People get that put on their body in ink. That's how, that's their, their hatred for decaffeinated coffee goes that far. That's a little extreme. Yeah, we'll have to look into that a little bit more. Well, tell us about your coffee history, Jay Shirk. Yours isn't quite as lengthy as mine. No, it's not. It's been a much shorter relationship. So let's see. It was my sophomore year of college that I started drinking coffee. I had 
a job. I worked at a local radio station. It's kind of a student job. I worked there two hours every morning. So I worked from six to eight in the morning. And then, yeah, it was bad. And then I took this block of classes that they called the cluster from 8 a.m. to noon, Monday through Thursday and Friday sometimes. So from 6 a.m. till noon, I was... I was grinding away. I had a lot of things to do. And so I started drinking kind of my gateway drug was what a local coffee shop in town used to be called perks. It's not anymore, but it's still perks to me in Athens, Ohio. They had this thing called the Coco Joe. And so it was a hot chocolate mixed with coffee. So my thinking was, well, I need the caffeine effects of coffee, but I don't really love the taste. So I'll start with the Coco Joe. So that was my gateway drug. And so I started with that and drank that for, you know, all, all winter, that whole winter. And then at some point I was like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for it and go straight to coffee. So I started drinking coffee with cream and then I moved on to, okay, the cream's just not worth it. I'm just going to go black. So no sugar with the cream even. Never sugar. I was always kind of health conscious about my coffee. So I'm like, okay, the worst thing I could do to this coffee is put sugar in it. The second worst thing I could do is put some milk into it. So I, it, in my family, just they weren't sugar in coffee people. So my mom drinks it black. I don't know if there's some type of genetic thing here. My mom drinks her coffee black. My dad likes his with two tiny little disposable creams if you're out at a restaurant or something. But yeah, I, I have since transitioned from hot chocolate to milk to just black. Wow. Unless it's really bitter. If it's really bitter, I'll add some milk because ugh. you have to mask that taste. Yeah, it's bad. And I think that's why most people drink coffee with with milk or with sugar is because they're drinking bad coffee. It's true. And so for you to even get into liking coffee, I just think it's hilarious. You weaned yourself on to coffee. I weaned myself on. Yeah, that's kind of backwards. It is. But I love it now. You were trying to figure out how to... How do I Tolerate how do I this. take this stuff? Yes. Yeah. So you've succeeded. Yes, I have successfully weaned myself onto coffee. Congratulations. Yeah. I think other people probably do that too. Really? I feel like the people I know that don't like coffee feel pretty strongly about it. I think because they've they've had bad coffee. That's definitely a huge factor. So we're gonna today we're gonna try to help people drink good coffee. Because it's good and fun and should be enjoyed by all. And it's kind of this communal thing. That we've talked about this, not right here, but in previous life parts of our life. We've talked about how we just, coffee is just this thing where you're just, hmm, it just feels like you can bear your soul to someone at, when you're drinking coffee. And so it's just, it facilitates fellowship with other humans and it's just a natural thing and it's, Kind of especially just like a Christian thing. Like Christians love their coffee. It's true. It's the, it's an experience to have a cup of coffee, to sit and talk over this cup of coffee. I mean, could you imagine just sitting and not having the cup of coffee? It just feels so like a strange. cup of water. Yeah, it's not the same. It's not the same at all. So we're going to try and help people drink better coffee because it facilitates, you know, spiritual conversations, fellowship, just if you're going to drink coffee, you might as well drink good coffee. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a $4 latte or something for it to be good. No. And that's that's kind of what we're going to get into. And I'm going to try to not bash too many coffee companies or places. It's going to be a little bit hard, though. We'll but, we can stay more broad. Yeah, we'll stay a little bit broad. But I'm on the outset, I'm going to say that Starbucks is not my favorite coffee. No. So that's not the perspective we're coming from. No. I think most... We'll we'll just dub ourselves now coffee snobs. We're snobs. We are. Aspiring snobs. Yeah, because we don't know everything. No, absolutely not. We're we're aspiring. We're learning. We're in the process. And we always say it's a slippery slope once you get into the mm-hmm. hobby of coffee. It's one thing and then the next apparatus and then the next type of roast or bean. And here you are. But we're we're dabbling. And so I feel like most true coffee lovers, Starbucks wouldn't be their favorite. Not that if, if we go there, we, we get something that we like, but... We'll drink something there. As far as just black, genuine, good cup of coffee goes, they're not the standard. 
So we are coming to you as aspiring coffee snobs and myself as one who has successfully weaned himself onto coffee. So we have a little experience. We've never been a barista, although you say that that would be your other dream job. Wouldn't it just be amazing? Just so fun. You get to talk to different people all day, be around the amazing smell of coffee, fun to make different things, very tangible. And then you hand someone a drink and you're like, here it is. I think some people like being baristas, but not everyone probably loves it. No, I'm sure. And it would get anything gets old after you do it for a long time. But for like a day or to you know, try a new career day. Wouldn't that be fun if as adults we could do that? You know, as kids, you get to shadow your parents or dad at school day, whatever. But if you could go as adults when you're actually looking for different jobs. Maybe like take your friend to work day? Yes, and try it out. Wouldn't that be so neat? And then you could kind of, especially if your company's hiring, then you kind of have facilitated. It's like a warm lead. Yeah, a warm lead. For the employer. Hmm. Okay. Tangent. We're going to table take your friend to work day, but it's a possibility. So, yeah, you said this earlier, but the smell of coffee is this thing that everyone loves. I It's the first thing I ask people when they say they don't like coffee. I say, but do you like the smell? And so far, I haven't encountered anyone that said, no, I, I hate the smell. Yeah. And I'm they're out there because there's all kinds of different people out there in the world. And people are weird and don't like the smell of coffee. And that's okay. But most people do. You're right. Even if they don't like the taste, they're not a fan. It's just a very generally universally loved scent. Mm-hmm. So let's start. What what do you love most about coffee? We've, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what are the, what, what brings you back to coffee every morning? <laughs> I, okay. So we won't talk about the communal aspect of con- connecting you to people because in the morning, I mean, it's you and me. But I think even that's fun. It's you're laying in bed, you're tired, especially when in the winter if it's colder. And just the thought of getting to get up, grind the beans, make the coffee, and just the smell, here we go again, that it infuses your house with. And then it's just this relaxing experience where you just sit on the couch or you sit on the porch. It's a a warm summer morning. Even I love that with a warm cup of coffee to just go out. It's just quiet and you just get to drink this amazing thing. And it's just very peaceful, the whole experience surrounding it. Hmm. Okay. All right. You know, you know why you like your coffee. I do. Why, why do you like coffee? Hmm. It's become such a habit for me that I just can't imagine not drinking it in the morning. So I, I wake up and we're going to get into all the different apparatuses that we use, but I wake up, pour some water into our electric kettle, turn it on, grind some coffee beans that we roasted. We're going to get into that too. We're such hippies. And then we're going to put the the grinds into the filter in our Chemex, which is this kind of hourglass-shaped apparatus, and pour the coffee over. And it's just this manual process that has, you know, most people don't make coffee this way in the morning. Most of them scoop their Folgers into their bun coffee maker and turn it on, and it's good to go. So it's kind of this process for me. It's just, yeah, getting, kind of waking up, starting my day. And then, yeah, I, I love the taste of coffee. I love the smell of coffee. I, I'm probably hooked on caffeine. I don't want to say addicted because it just sounds worse. So I'm going to say hooked. But you never hooked get on the caffeine. headaches, the withdrawal headaches. I don't get the withdrawal headaches if I go a day or so without them. I drink a lot of water though. So I think that that kind of switches things for me so that I can go without coffee because I've watered it down in my system so much. But anyway, so I'm drinking coffee every morning. It's just kind of how I start my day. It's just the habit forming process of drinking coffee every day and I enjoy it and it tastes good and it's gets me going, gives me some some energy. I'm not sure how much energy it actually gives me. I don't I sometimes will drink a coffee in the afternoon for a little more energy, but in general it's not the reason I don't drink coffee for the caffeine. I drink it for the coffee. So it still doesn't it doesn't really affect you as you asked me earlier. Well, I'm kind of in the same boat. I kind of have the cutoff time. For me, it's probably seven or eight when I'm like, okay, I need to 
Like, no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. And I'm, I've kind of, I don't know. I'm kind of becoming a caffeinated snob. I kind of don't love decaf as much. It, it does just, there's a little bit different taste. It's not quite the same. And so I'm kind of like, nah, I don't know if it's worth it. Would you get the tat? I would not get the tat. I have no tats. So that would not be the first. Okay. But maybe You're if I had a hardcore. few. No, I'm not on a campaign against decaffeinated coffee, but I, people are. So we kind of want to talk about five different aspects of the, of the whole drinking coffee thing here. So we're going to talk about beans, which is, you know, the coffee beans, what we're actually making the coffee from water, just kind of touch on that, how heating it, what kind of water, you know, if that even matters apparatuses, which is probably going to be our favorite part. We love the different coffee toys, grinding the beans to put it in the apparatus and then drinking it and kind of how we drink it. So to start, so we'll start with the beans and we'll work our way through. So the first thing that I definitely didn't know until recently is that different regions of the world have different tasting coffee beans. And this is probably the area that I know the least about. It's true. We're learning again, the aspiring aspects, different regions of the world. So give us an example. So obviously coffee is mostly grown in warmer climates. So, you know, a certain amount of degrees latitude above the equator and a certain below. So it's kind of the strip around the world where coffee can be grown. So mostly in places where it's warm year, year round. So they say that, you know, about Central American and South American coffees, normally they have a nuttier taste. And then they say that African coffees have a fruity or floral taste. And sometimes I'll I'll pick it up and I think depending on how you make the coffee and, you know, those different things, you can taste it more in certain coffees than others. Personally, most places have the kind of, you know, your average coffee, I feel like is a, you know, at least as a Northern American, most of those are Central or South American coffees. And so they're kind of just a a more general coffee taste. It's so nondescript, but kind of nutty, your your hazelnuts, if they're flavored in that way, that's a whole different story. So you're adding flavor to the coffee a lot of times when it's a flavored, you know, I don't know if, I think people know that I saw that Dunkin' Donuts makes a like jelly donut coffee and you don't just grow jelly donut coffee in the field you get some crappy bean and then you add this flavoring to it it just sounds sick it's gross and so when we when we're talking about coffees having a nutty or fruity flavor we're just talking about their natural grown this is no additive authentic they're being real they are that's let's even back up a step what color is a coffee bean before you roast it jordan so they're green, right. green beans. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I didn't know that. I don't. I didn't know anything. They they come off this plant. The whole reality that we're able to drink this thing that comes from this plant that has like a red cherry on it, and then a green bean, and then we roast it, and then grind it, and then pour water over it. It's Who like decided if, that. If that's not an example of God's gift to mankind in the ingenuity of the human mind, I don't know what is. Because what a gift. It's just, it's crazy. It's mind-blowing that we have come up with this process. I always think about a professor I had in college for a nutrition class, and I always ask this now when I'm eating something. She said her favorite thing to ask when talking about food, just to herself, was who was the first person that ate this? And I think about that with coffee. Yeah, the whole process you just described where it was like you can't just pick it and eat it off the tree, but this whole process it has to work through who developed that or who decided this is the way it works and now this is going to be the most consumed beverage in the world. Yeah, after water, it's totally cross-cultural around the world. People are drinking coffee. Yeah, so I think it's I think it started in Africa. I don't think I'm making that up, but... I think it's somewhere in Northern Africa that the coffee thing started, but we're not going to get into the history because we just don't know it. And we didn't take the time to look it up on Wikipedia. So thanks for taking a step back there. Yes. God bless coffee. Cause how in the world could we get coffee without the goodness of God, just reaching down and guiding humans along that process? Such a direct correlation. Pretty neat. So, so my personal favorite, I really like the African coffees. Sometimes you can really especially taste kind of like a fruity taste with it. 
and there's different, they, they talk about the different taste as notes. It's a note. So sometimes there's a chocolate note or a nutty note or a fruit note. I'm not super good at defining those or being able to describe those. I can say, oh, this is gross or, oh, this is pretty good or, oh, I kind of like the bite at the end of it or I don't. But that's, that's you know, I'm on the road to coffee snobbery. Developing your palate. Yes. I think I prefer the nuttier tastes. I enjoy our favorite region in coffee is Ethiopian. And actually, last January, we were at this auction. We got a bag of genuine, authentic, I think it was two pounds, maybe even more. Yeah, it was a kilo. It was huge. Okay. Of authentic Ethiopian beans brought straight from Ethiopia to us. That was pretty cool. That was neat. That was before we really appreciated it. It was. But we knew we wanted to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. But I I think I do prefer the nuttier tastes of the coffee. But you kind of think that the Africans have a nutty taste sometimes. Some of them do. Maybe it's just the way we roast it. But I can taste it in some of them. So we don't don't know exactly. But there's different tastes based on where they're grown. And so... So the next thing, let's talk about store-bought coffee. So the Dunkin' Donuts jelly donut coffee versus a fresh roasted, if you do it at home, or a locally roasted or roasted and then shipped to you kind of thing. So kind of walk us through what that looks like. We've obviously started with store-bought coffee. Obviously, it's where most people get into it. And I think what really makes the biggest difference. Okay, if you're going to do the store-bought coffee route, then I think what will greatly enhance your experience there or your taste there is buying the whole bean and still grinding it at home before each batch. Then at least you're getting this fresh release of the aroma and the taste that you're not getting from just a bag of pre-ground coffee, which you also can't adapt then for different apparatuses because they require different grinds. But I think we were pretty big on, and in a pinch, if we're out of our coffee, we really love eight o'clock. I always want to say five o'clock. Because it's like, oh, five o'clock is what we normally say, but eight o'clock is like, it's the morning. That's That's when you drink it. The eight o'clock. And we even did the hazelnut, which now surprises me that we loved a flavored coffee like that but like you said i think that's something where your parents influence because your mom loves the straight hazelnut eight o'clock coffee while my dad does half hazelnut half colombian hmm. our family is pretty committed to eight o'clock they really are and our other if we're gonna drink flavored coffee the other one we like is highlander grog which mm-hmm. what the heck does that mean but it's a flavor of caramel and Sometimes like Irish whiskey, is they it? say it's different places are a little different, but the general idea is a Irish cream. So it smells pretty, oh. pretty amazing. Tastes good as far as flavored coffees go. And we like that. That's, that's a kind of coffee that I feel like if you're trying to drink black coffee and you're just getting started, that's a good one to try with. That's a good point. Cause it's, it smells sweet, even though it doesn't taste very sweet. And it's flavored. Okay. Yeah. So, so the other option, so you talked a little bit about store-bought. And so you could buy them, you know, obviously the best is going to be if you buy it from your local coffee shop, not Starbucks, but a local place where they roast their own beans. And that's not common everywhere. In bigger cities, it's it's becoming really common. There's kind of a resurgence of handcrafted coffee. So it's becoming possible, but it's pricey. It's going to be a lot more expensive to buy locally roasted beans than your five dollar bag of eight o'clock coffee it's probably going to be close to 12 15 even sometimes 20 dollars depending on where it's from and all those things so those are kind of your options and then you could roast it at home and so that's what we started doing really proving our aspiring coffee snob status so a couple of friends of ours set, told us that you can roast your own coffee and it's cheaper than buying from a local roaster, a little more expensive than buying store-bought. But basically what you do is you buy a hot air popcorn popper. So originally I thought this was like the machines they have at the movies, but a miniature version, and the coffee beans would come like shooting out of the container, but it's not like that. It's this little little apparatus. I keep saying apparatus and it's a stupid word, but anyway, it's this little plastic thing that, 
popcorn kernels would swirl around in and then they'd shoot out of the chute. So what you do with the coffee is you put the green beans in there and it swirls around and it gets it gets hot in there. And it normally takes, you know, four to six to eight minutes, depending on how much coffee you put in there. We'll put links on how to do it instead of us just walking through the whole process. Sweet Maria's kind of has the monopoly on roasting your own coffee, sweetmaria's.com. And they explain how to do it, what popcorn poppers are good. We have the air West Bend Air Crazy Popcorn Popper. It's 20 bucks or something on Amazon. We bought that. We bought an eight-pound assortment of beans from Sweet Maria's. Green beans shipped to us. That was about 50 bucks, I think, with shipping. But eight pounds, that's a ton. It really is. It's a lot of coffee. So we plop the beans in there, turn the hot air popcorn popper on, spins around for a few minutes. Really, the biggest thing is you just want it to be like a dark brown color. And they'll kind of give you a gauge, but it's crazy. It's neat to see it go from green to yellow to light brown to dark brown. And you don't want it to start to look oily. And the beans will actually crack. So there's a first crack and a second crack. You want to kind of roast it in between the two after the first crack, maybe another 60 seconds or so. And then really the biggest thing we just look at is the color now. We don't so much care about the time because it's so random. You just never know how long it's going to actually take depending on the temperature outside and the temperature if you've been roasting for a little bit of the popcorn popper, the different beans take longer. Then all this chaff shoots off the beans. And so we kind of have a popcorn popper sock (laughs) that my dad gave us. It's actually for straining paint, but it's kind of thin and so the air can still get through it. We put that over top of the popcorn popper, roast it, and then we pour it into, what's the kitchen thing that we use? A sieve. A sieve. Sieve? Sieve? I I don't know how to pronounce it. I always forget. But it's kind of like a... A really fine tooth strainer. Not one that you'd use for pasta, but the fine. But that would probably work if you have... I mean, the metal, the plastic ones would maybe melt because the beans are pretty hot. Yeah, yeah. You you don't want to have big holes. But the some of the you know spaghetti type strainers that are more made for smaller pastas would probably work. So we shake it around in that for you know a couple minutes, and then we toss them all flat, laid out on a cooking sheet with edges, like a cookie sheet. And then they cool, and then we put them in a mason jar. We put the cap on mostly, but not all the way tied on because there's CO2, carbon dioxide that is released after the roasting process. And then in the morning, you can use the beans or tighten it up and use them later. I'm still just picturing you using a movie theater popcorn maker. (laughs) Put my butter on the coffee before it's brewed. Yeah, I don't, they have the little ones, you know, the little stand ones. Yeah, like the home version of it. Beans shoot out of there. I don't know. I never used a hot air popcorn popper before. And I still have never actually popped popcorn in a hot air popcorn popper. You haven't. And I'm I'm pretty committed to just doing the coffee thing now. I think once you transition it, I don't know. I think the popcorn would kind of taste funny. And I don't want the coffee to taste funny because of the popcorn. I feel like it's more likely the coffee would influence the popcorn than vice versa. But That's true. And what I think home roasting, so many interesting things, but... You, you'll see now when you go to a place like Starbucks or you buy a, a coffee at a grocery store or something, the beans are so oily. They're so shiny. And for so long, that's what I thought the mark of a good coffee bean was, was to be really shiny and dark, that that meant that it was good quality. But that actually means it's been roasted almost too long. It has been too long. So a French roast, things like that, they've been roasted past what we call the second crack, and it brings out all these oils. And actually, I just heard this the other day, but the reason Starbucks does that is makes all their roasts darker, and most people hate how bold Starbucks coffee is, but is because it's easier to get the same flavor. So when you roast it that long, it will always taste the same. Unfortunately, it's not a good taste, but it's consistent. It's which consistently is, bad tasting. Which. which is what most corporate America large companies want because people want to go to Starbucks, get their skinny vanilla latte, and know that it's going to taste the same every time they get it. They don't want variations because the beans are from somewhere new or they've been roasted differently. So that's why they do that. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I'm learning something right now. You're welcome. Thank you. So... That's kind of the nutshell version of home roasting your coffee. So you're looking at 20 bucks for a popcorn popper. You can buy smaller amounts from Sweet Maria's. That's basically the only place that you can really buy green 
coffee beans from. So you can hop on there. They have a sampler that you can buy. We did the eight pound because shipping, I think, is always about 10 bucks for the standard shipping. So it's you kind of want to make it worth it. So that's why we did that. So that was, I think, you know, 50 or 60 bucks. So you got 80 bucks in, but you have eight pounds of coffee. So it's going to shake out, you know, even including equipment costs right off the bat. I'm not calculating the electricity use in the hot air popcorn popper, but just right off the bat, you got 80 bucks in, but that's about 10 bucks a pound. And then it's obviously going to get a little bit cheaper once you figure that your equipment costs are already covered. And what's neat about the green coffee beans is that before they're roasted, they last for at least a year. So it's not the same as buying eight pounds of grocery store coffee and sitting it on your shelf that who knows how long it's already been sitting there. But when it's just the green beans, they're not going stale or going bad because it's not until you roast them when the water's released and the flavors then that it's actually edible, drinkable coffee. And so it's cool because you can bulk up, like stock up with a lot of it and then just roast in small batches. So that that's one thing about the home roasting with a hot air popcorn popper. You're not doing large batches. It's a little... Like, what is that, a pint mason jar we usually do worth? Yeah, so probably per roundabout in the popcorn popper, it's probably four or five ounces of coffee, maybe a little bit less. Like, in the beginning, we kind of did less, and then we developed this method where we just shake the popcorn popper so that the coffee moves around without the air, but by us moving it. The whole time. The whole time, which is kind of a hassle. But you can kind of do more at once. You can probably do twice as much. And it takes a little bit longer than doing it as just one little bit, like two or three ounces, but it's kind of worth it, but it gets really hot. So sometimes I'll wear gloves. It's, you know, even if it's warm out, I'm wearing gloves so I can hold this popcorn popper and shake it so that the beans are getting evenly roasted. And that's the hardest part is that they're not, it's not a super even roast. You know, if you compared what the coffee beans we roast look like compared to Starbucks roast, no, ours is not as consistent. And sometimes I think I probably err on the side of under roasting, which is bad because it tastes strange. It also tastes strange if you over roast, but I think that it's slightly less strange. But sometimes I'm just, I'm over it. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm done doing this. So it's really neat the first time you roast it. And then after that, you're like, okay, this is such a hassle. But the novelty wears off. The novelty totally wears off, but it's, it's still fun. It's neat. And we like to give the coffee away to people. We call it Shark Coffee Company. We even made our own label. Yeah, we're nerds. Good grief. If anyone listens to this, if you made it this far, wow, we're on. But it's cool because I think it can sound really intimidating. Home roasting your coffee, whoa, you must be so experienced or really into coffee, which we are into coffee. But it's fun because it's an experiment and you get to wake up the next morning and say, wow, I roasted this. And it's, it's just a fun thing. But there's totally a learning curve and... There's a lot of room for error, and it's kind of hard to totally botch it. Yeah, we, we've we drank every cup that we've made, basically. We've yeah. never had to throw it away and just say, this is awful. Some of them have stranger tastes, and I think kind of changing what brew method you're using will, will change the taste and make some more palatable than others. So I think we've covered the home roasting process, the store-bought versus home roasting. We're definitely in favor of home roasting. Give it a try. Yeah. If you like coffee, it's a fun hobby, something fun to do together and a neat thing to experiment with. Yeah. So there's also a couple, I'll just mention real quickly, there's a couple services that you can get subscription coffee and it's it's kind of expensive. So tonks.org is one of them. They actually just were acquired not too long ago, but I think they're still doing subscription coffee. And and then the other one is Mistobox or Mistobox. I don't know how they pronounce it. Probably Misto because it sounds cooler. They do they kind of source it from all these different roasters and then send it to you and then you can buy, it's more in a sample variety and then you could buy more of it if you really like it. So that's kind of a way to get different tastes. But if there's not a local roaster around you, they will roast it within the week and then ship it to you for this subscription. And it's good. We did Misto Box. Yeah, and we tried a sample of Tonks and both mm-hmm. were good. Mm-hmm. We, I really love the one from, I don't even remember what roaster from Misto Box, but it was, it was really good. Mm-hmm. But that was before we started roasting our own. So now we're on Team Shark Coffee Company. So the next part of brewing is the water. And so something I recently learned is that tap water kills people. Does it? I mean, that's maybe a 
gross exaggeration, but we talked to this lady who said, yeah, tap water is not good for you and has all this stuff in it. And so we use reverse osmosis water. Now we really sound like snobs. It sounds so, I don't even like the way it sounds when it passes out of my mouth. For health reasons. Yeah, health reasons, whatever. So we use the reverse osmosis. It's actually really cheap. A lot of grocery stores will have the machine right outside their store and for like a quarter, this is, you know, Midwest prices, but for a quarter, you can fill a whole gallon full of water. So the most expensive part for us was buying the stupid gallon of water at the store the first time so that we had containers for it. So then we fill up that water. That's what we use to to brew our coffee. It doesn't have any taste. It doesn't taste like city water or well water or anything. It's just water. Pure. It, it tastes pure. It's I mean, it's not from Fiji. It's not Fiji water, but... Who can afford to brew coffee with that stuff? So then the other thing is that you have to heat up the water if you're going to do something other than a drip coffee maker. And that'll be the next part. So we use this cheap electric kettle. I think it's 25 bucks on Amazon. Hamilton Beach. Hamilton Beach. Yeah, you have to make sure that you follow the directions carefully the first time you get it so you don't get a plasticky taste. But it's not very fancy. It's just an electric kettle. Heats up a full, you know, almost two liters in five minutes, maybe less coffee, less water faster than that, obviously. But then they have really fancy ones where you can heat it up to a certain temperature and they have this thing called a gooseneck on it so that it's not just a a normal spout, but it kind of makes this S shape as it goes up. And that gives you more control when you're making the pour over type coffee. That'll probably be our next dabble into the coffee world. Yeah. But the electric kettle is really nice. It's it's huge. It makes it easy Solid. if you're doing any type of pour over or pouring water into something much easier than heating up water on the stovetop and then pouring it in with a funnel or something, which is the way we started. Anything else about water? What temperature should it be at? So I don't know is kind of the short answer, but I recently heard this thing from the guy who started, who created the AeroPress, which we'll talk about shortly and it's this little kind of single serve kind of kind of like an americano type of coffee which is just espresso that's watered down espresso is kind of you know this normal shot of coffee that's finely ground made in a machine but the aeropress is kind of like an americano where you pour some more water over the espresso and they say to brew it at 175 degrees which is pretty cold for for water that you're brewing coffee with other ones i think Definitely below boiling. If you pour boiling water over the coffee, it's going to taste burnt. And I think a lot of machines probably make it too hot. So 175 degrees is the go-to for an AeroPress. Less than around 200 or a little bit less than, I think, for other brew methods like that we're going to talk about. The Chemex was about 190. 190. Okay, mm-hmm. so 190 for the Chemex. So you might want to pick up a thermometer. It's a couple bucks for a cheap thermometer. Toss it into your electric kettle to test the water or pull it off right before it boils. You kind of know the sound that it makes when it boils so mm-hmm. right before then. Maybe not throw it in. No, don't throw it in because it it's messy Hold on to mercury it. stuff. So well, let's, let's talk about our favorite. Yeah, this is the fun part. The apparatuses. So let's start where pretty much everyone starts. The drip coffee maker. Did you, I don't even know if I knew that you could make coffee another way other than espresso. Not, no. And Starbucks is probably the only reason I knew about espresso, like as a middle school teenager. Right. So if a drip coffee maker is basically the cheapest way to make coffee, you know, for 20 bucks, you can get whatever brand in the store. And espresso is the most expensive way because for an actually good machine, you're talking thousands of dollars for an espresso maker. There are lots of in-betweens. And I've had a really crappy espresso machine. It got the job done. But then it broke several times. And it was cheap. It was it not was even cheap. close to $1,000. Oh, no, no, no. We're talking like 60 bucks. 60 bucks. So, okay. So, circling back around to the drip coffee maker, that's what, you know, most American homes have. Except now. Dare we even say the K word? Oh, wow. I didn't even, it did, honestly didn't even cross my mind. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be Kerrig. a coffee apparatus. It's a dirty word in the coffee snob arena. Everyone knows what the Keurig is. It's the one cup coffee maker. You plop this plastic thing in with these grounds and it's amazing is what the people say. 
I personally don't think it's so amazing, but it's convenient, which I understand for people that just want to be caffeinated. They don't really care about the taste. They don't know anything different. And they're then blinded. It's, yeah, it is easier. It, it's okay. So yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense for people who say, oh, I'm the only one in my family who drinks coffee. So I'm going to pay basically the same price as if I went to a Starbucks and bought the coffee per cup, but you can get it on sale, whatever, whatever. So yeah, I totally didn't even think about the Keurig. That's probably becoming more and more common. And most people are starting to buy the $200 Keurigs with the $2 cups inside of them, which is basically a mini single drip coffee maker. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to drink a Keurig, if someone forced me into it, I like the donut shop sidebar. Okay. So drip coffee maker, we used to have one that we really liked. We did. It was a very fancy. There was no pot. A potless drip coffee maker. So you'd pour the water into the top and with the grounds. And then underneath is just a place where you'd set your coffee cup. And then there was a lever where you'd pull down and it just came out right underneath. It really felt like you worked at a coffee shop, kind of. It was pretty neat. It really only makes sense for people who have the hose attached to their sink and their coffee maker nearby so that they can just turn the water on and spray it in if you're also going to buy one the bun coffee maker honestly Mm. it is so fast that's what i grew up on okay you grew up on bun so bun coffee makers are a little more expensive but they always have a reservoir of hot water in them so that as soon as you pour the next one in boom it's ready to go i mean a full pot of coffee in a minute that's wild But let's talk about the problem in general with drip coffee makers. Why do they taste funky? And most people don't even realize probably that it tastes funky. But the problem that comes in with the drip coffee makers is that you have water continually going over the same spot of the same part of the grounds continually until the pot is full. Because it's normally in a cone shape. The water is, the grounds are in a cone shape. Or the bucket. Or, or, yeah, the kind of the flat bucket. But there's only one spout in general where the water's coming out. Some of them have, like, kind of a shower head thing now. But, but even that, it's four or five spots, not the whole grounds being evenly pulled and extracted from. Right. So why does it matter that the water's going through the same spot? What does that do? That's why it makes it bitter, because it's continually pooling from the same grounds where that the flavor's already been taken from, but we're continuing to pull from it and so it's going to leave a bitter unpleasant taste to coffee so basically you're missing out on extracting the flavor from most of the beans because you extract it from some a tiny small portion kind of the part that's down at the bottom of the cone or in the middle of the bucket style so that's the problem and then it's sitting on a burner a warmer which can then continue to kind of make the coffee depending on how much is in there and how long it's sitting there but I did hear this tip growing up when I used a bun coffee maker to once the coffee has been brewed to then remove the filter and the grinds because it still continues to drip and pull from it so at least if you remove that you're improving your coffee drip experience that's helpful so we are we're not anti-drip coffee maker we're just pro other types of coffee makers right and if we're at someone's house and they offer us a cup of coffee and it comes from a keurig or we will shout no no we would not we would joyfully accept we still enjoy coffee but our personal preference we've moved past the drip coffee maker so what was kind of our gateway out of that so i feel like most people start exploring different coffee apparatuses with the French press coffee maker, which I think is really, it looks really cool and it tastes pretty good. It's definitely better than a drip coffee maker. Basically it uses immersion. And so you grind the beans to a coarse grind. You put them in the bottom of this kind of, it looks like a beaker with a metal rack and a handle on it. And you put the coffee grounds in the bottom and then you pour the water over it and then you press down this kind of plunger that pushes all the grinds to the bottom and then you pour the coffee out that's kind of the the first route people go when they try a different type of brewing method and it's pretty good except what is the problem it gets a little bit bitter i think 
and it leaves this disgusting sludge at the bottom that is just an absolute pain to clean out. So it's kind of kind of a cross between normal coffee and Turkish coffee, which we haven't even explored Turkish coffee. We're not going to. I don't really like it. You kind of like it. I do. But it leaves this coffee sludge at the bottom. It's kind of a hassle, but it's it's neat and it doesn't take super long. It takes a few minutes to brew and then you press it down and you pour it out. I think if you pour all of the coffee out right away, you're in pretty good shape. Or if you put it in a different container, if you leave it sitting there, it starts to get bitter because it's sitting on the already extracted grounds. And that's what I never understood about it. And we have a French press. We haven't used it in over a year probably, but still like it. But I just never said, how does it continue to sit in the same grounds? And not, it obviously changes the flavor. I think it's maybe user error. Maybe they even say in the directions, like, pour it all out and put it in something else. But we don't drink a full pot of it all the, right away. So so that's the French press. And then the next thing we got was this AeroPress, which is made by Aerobi, which is a, like, Frisbee company. Like, it makes no sense that they made this coffee maker. But it's this little plastic thing. Why don't you, yeah, describe it. You, a little bit, touched on it earlier. But it has, there's a lot of different pieces, but there's essentially three main pieces. So you have one part that is the... Canister? Okay, that's a good word, canister. So there, it's circular, kind of tube-like structure. And then there's a plunger at the top. And then there's a filter that screws on to the bottom and has a really thin, specific paper filter for it. And what you do, there's there's different methods. We prefer the inverted method, which can get a little messy. But this for this method, you you pour in the grind. So they have a scooper for the specific amount of, I think it's 15 grams that go in the AeroPress on a fine grind. And then you pour in just a little bit of coffee to let it bloom, which is when you let it sit. You don't pour it all the way. You just enough to cover the grounds and you let it sit for 30 seconds. And what's what's the bloom? What does that mean? The bloom is when the coffee, I want to say it's activating, but that's not the right word, but it does kind of bloom like it puffs up. If it's good, fresh coffee, it will puff up a little. So it's kind of just getting it started. And then after 30 seconds, you pour water to the top of the plunger. You stir it around with a given mixer, 15 to 20 stirs. And then you let it sit for about a minute. So then at a minute 30, you screw on the filter. And then the tricky part, and you have to make sure your mug fits the width of the AeroPress because that can also cause some disaster. But then you flip it over and then you push down on this plunger and it pulls the coffee into the mug. So and as Jordan mentioned, it's basically like an espresso shot worth of it so then you you push it down so the whole process should take two minutes for your cup of coffee and then you fill up your mug with hot water the rest of the way however much you want you Uh, could drink it just that way it's it's a little bit stronger i just like more volume so i I pour a little bit more water over it just kind of depending and it doesn't taste watered down it tastes just Tastes how it like should. Like an Americano, yeah. as you mentioned, yeah. So it's really good. So uh, it technically it's an Americano because it's this idea of espresso-type coffee made with water poured over it, but it tastes like a cup of coffee. But the AeroPress will bring out different flavors than different... Each of these apparatuses will bring out different flavors. So I think sometimes some things are just awesome in the AeroPress, and they're just decent in the Chemex, and sometimes vice versa. So I, I don't really know why that is, but it's just kind of how it is. So we haven't gotten smart enough to figure out why certain ones taste better with different apparatuses. But yeah, so the AeroPress is pretty slick. It's it's really, really portable. And if you buy it on Amazon, sometimes it comes with this kind of crappy nylon carrying case, but you can fit everything together. It comes with the canister part that the grounds go in, it comes with the plunger part that's, and it's all plastic or rubber. So then the, the canister is all plastic. There's the plunger that has a little rubber piece at the bottom. And what's nice about the AeroPress is that it's super easy to clean. It's the exact opposite of the French press, even though it's still a pressing motion and it's still immersion coffee that all the grounds are sitting in the water for a period of time, as opposed to a pour over or like drip coffee where it's just going straight through. And when you push the plunger through, it's designed so that it pushes all the grounds and everything to the bottom so that you can then unscrew the cap. So there's a cap and then the paper filter goes into it. Unscrew the cap, plop the plunger one more step, and you can throw it into the 
you could kind of plop it into the trash or into a garbage disposal or whatever. Trash is probably better. I do garbage disposal sometimes because it's easier. I heard you're not supposed to put coffee grounds in a garbage disposal. Yeah, that's probably right. I don't, you probably shouldn't. So throw it in the trash or your compost pile Mm -hmm. and then you can kind of just rinse it and you're good to go. So it also comes with this funnel that you can, if you're scooping the coffee in, it makes it easier because it's kind of a small, the canister's got a small mouth on it. And then it comes with a stir, a plastic stir. So it's all all plastic or rubber. I'm assuming it's all BPA free. So you're not getting cancer from making mm. it with this thing. But it's really nice for travel because you can just chuck it in a backpack. You don't have to worry about it breaking. We have a little hand Hario grinder, Hario, Hario, I don't know. It's a Japanese company. You can put the coffee beans in the top and grind it. It's a serious arm workout if you do that. But those are our two go-to methods. If we're gonna, if we're traveling or camping or something like that, it's really nice to have those two things. Uh, okay, you said camping as if it's something we do regularly. I've, How many times have we gone camping together? It, uh, once, apparently. You just signed it to me. But... If you do, I, I know. I think I took it when I went camping with, oh, with you the guys did and, time. yeah, That's last right. fall. But mm-hmm. anyway, I almost made a cup of AeroPress coffee on an airplane. That's what I was going to ask you. I didn't, and I'm kind of glad I did. I guess you're not supposed to drink any water on an airplane that doesn't come from a bottle because it's all dirty and it will kill you. It's even worse than tap water. Wow. So don't drink the coffee on an airplane because it's made with the dirty water. Also, don't make an AeroPress. Next to you on the plane would have been utterly perplexed. They would have, their minds would have been blown if I made an AeroPress on a flight. It would bust the tray, the pressure you have to use in pushing down. That's a good point. We didn't mention this. There's a lot of pressure. And especially if you try and do two cups of coffee in one, because it's kind of a single serve method, which is why we've a little bit moved away from it. So it takes a little bit of time if you do more than one cup, but you can kind of cheat the system and do two. Huge pressure buildup. Be careful. We've had some absolute disasters <laughs> with the AeroPress. One time, there was a little miscommunication. The cap that has the filter that screws onto the bottom, I said it's good to go. Nikki thought that meant it was good to go because, you know, I said it was good to go. But it wasn't. It was not. And when you flipped it over, chaos. The grounds went everywhere. My hands were covered in hot water and coffee grounds. Our dear friend that was over that we were showing her for the first time what an AeroPress is. And we were so excited showing her how easy it is. She was not impressed. She laughed. She helped us clean it up. Yeah, it was bad. So the AeroPress, good for travel, good for single serve, not greedy for making a whole cup of coffee or a whole pot of coffee. Multiple people, no. No. So what's our current favorite? The Chemex. It just sounds awesome. C-H-E-M-E-X. The Chemex. So it's this kind of hourglass-shaped glass thing. We have the one with a wood collar on it, the eight-cup variety. They have like a three or four-cup, a six-cup, an eight-cup, a ten-cup. The eight-cup is just classic. Perfect. We really like it. So that'll set you back about 40 bucks. The AeroPress is, you know, 20 or 25 bucks. French press, probably around 30 bucks. It's all glass, pretty nice. Bodum is one of the most popular makers of the French press. AeroPress is only one company, Aerobi. Chemex, only one company, the Chemex company. And there are also specific filters for the Chemex. So the AeroPress has a specific filter, but it comes with hundreds of them, and they're very inexpensive. The Chemex filters are a little more pricey, depending on where you get them especially. They can be anywhere from 8 to 20 bucks for 100 of them. When I got, I got Jordans for Christmas, I got them off Amazon. Amazon's usually the go-to, the cheapest route. And I got a hundred of the, the non-bleached ones and it cost me $17. That's steep for coffee filters. But then we found World Market. If you have one of those around you, it's a neat store in this neck of the woods that has really cool filters um, or a lot of coffee devices. And they sell the Chemex filters there for about six or seven bucks. So... That's a good. It's a go-to. good find. Good but deal. it is the most pure cup of coffee that we have yet to discover. It's really tasty. You basically kind of I described it I think a little bit earlier when I was talking about the Chemex. You get the filter wet. It we use the folded square variety. They have a rounded one, but the folded square like actually pops up above the lip of the top of the Chemex. It just looks pretty cool. We use the unbleached cuz I don't know, it just seems better. So you kind of fold it so that on one side is one fold and then on the other side is three folds. You put the coarser ground coffee 
in there. And it doesn't have to be as coarse as French press. It shouldn't be as fine as AeroPress. If you do, if you do fine, it tastes really bitter. Because we forgot to switch our grinder back one time. Yeah. And it was very fine and very strange tasting. Some people say the Chemex is only supposed to take four minutes pouring the water through. We have never, not one single time, made it in four minutes. Unless it was a store-bought. The store-bought goes mm-hmm. faster. And I think sometimes it just doesn't deal well with lighter roasts, I think. So the darker roasts go faster. Lighter roasts, for whatever reason, takes longer for the water to filter through. But you have to continue to pour water over. So you'll kind of pour it into the filter up to the lip, let it drain down a little bit, add more water until you you have the desired amount of coffee in there. So it'll make however many cups, that what size you get. Ours makes eight cups. We normally do about six a scoop of coffee for each one. We didn't talk about this. The amount of, of coffee you put mm. is really important. Anyone out there still using a drip coffee maker, I highly encourage you to use the preferred method of how many scoops of coffee should I use. I call it N minus two. So it's however many cups of coffee you're making, minus two gives you the amount of scoops. So if you're making 10 cups, use eight cup, eight scoops worth with a little tablespoon scoop of coffee. So the Chemex we do straight one-to-one, six cups, six scoops, however many grams that is. I don't know. We don't measure it out, but we have a little scale if you want to get into that, which is more important for AeroPress probably because it's a little more precise. So we love the Chemex. It's really tasty. It's our favorite method. It's very fragile. Not portable. Not portable at all, but we try and port it around sometimes. We'll put it back in the box that it came in, but it's all glass. We have the wood collar one. They have an all glass one with a glass handle. I think the wood collar one is just really classy. It is. That would be our most recommended method. Probably not your first delve into the coffee world. It's not that in, that expensive. 40 bucks. I mean, it's cheaper than a mid-grade drip, drip coffee. coffee. Yeah, drip coffee. I mean, those things, some of them are 100 bucks or even more. So so it's 40 bucks plus the filters anywhere from 8 to 20. So you got 60 bucks in the setup. If you're roasting your own, you got 20 bucks in the equipment there. And then you buy some beans, so you're at 100 bucks. It's a $100 investment. You can get all set up and good to go. The last thing we'll talk about is espresso. We touched on it earlier. Really hard to do at home. Without a good machine. We have friends that actually got us into the home roasting world. And he has a pretty baller espresso machine set up. He does. He invested in it because he's really into it. He's really good at pulling the shots and things. You have to have a really good grinder, which we'll talk about grinders real briefly, shortly. Or we're going pretty long. We're almost at an hour, but we love coffee, and there's a lot to talk about. We're we're running through this stuff. So anyway, espresso is hard to make at home. I'm not really into espresso or espresso drinks. I don't love lattes and stuff, and so it's not a big deal for me. You you do love it, and you like the steamed milk and all those things. I love it. But we're just going to have to go to a, a local place to get them because it's it's just you're talking thousands of dollars to get a really good espresso set up at home. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone will write there us an email. Are, there are smaller ones. I mean, our friends wasn't thousands of dollars. That's true. But definitely several hundred yeah. to get a good one. So it's pretty expensive. Other varieties and apparatuses are pour overs. So those are kind of a single cup thing. You have this... There's different companies that make them. There's one called the V60. It's basically cone-shaped. You, you can set it right over top of a mug, or you can put it in a little pour-over holder and pour the water over. It's basically the same idea as a Chemex, but one cup. And they, a lot of times, will use their own special filters. And then there's a siphon pot that you can make coffee out of. There's there's other ones I'm forgetting about, probably, too. But there's there's other methods. But we kind of touched on some of our favorites and Get the most started. common. Yeah. Let's talk about how to grind the beans real quickly. Pretty important aspect, I think, even as we mentioned, if you're going to buy store-bought coffee, buy it whole bean and at least grind it at home by yourself. It'll make it fresher. It's a different experience. So there's two types of grinders that are out there. We have the burr grinder and the blade grinder. Tell us the difference. It's kind of self-explanatory. The blade grinder has one blade that spins around. And so the problem with the blade grinder is that it's not very consistent. And so those are normally the the smaller cylinder shaped ones. You can put a little bit of coffee in there. It's better than nothing, but it's going to give you an uneven chopping of, of, of uneven grind. And so it's not going to be ideal for some of these more specific things like AeroPress or Chemex that need a certain really specific type of grind. 
Real quick, let's just say drip coffee maker, probably a medium grind is good. French press, you have to use a coarse grind or you will literally break the glass thing because of the pressure buildup. AeroPress, you're good to go on on a fine. Chemex is uh, a little bit coarser, but doesn't have to be super coarse like the French press. Espresso is super fine. So if you really want to get in a good fine grind, you're going to need a burr grinder which uses multiple blades and is a more even grind of the coffee. And so if you're going to get a grinder, get a blade grinder or a burr grinder. Sorry. So a burr grinder is when there's kind of a a cone or V shape at the top and you pour the beans in and then they come out the bottom. So with the blade, it's just sitting, you put the beans on top, the blade spins around and the grounds are still on top. So the burr grinder is good to go. Ours was not a top of the line one. It was just from Kohl's, about 60 bucks. It's not amazing, but it has the ability to change from fine to coarse grind and better option than just buying it pre-ground. And and the reason they're so expensive is I think it's just really hard to get the blades to spin in the right way to not leave this dust. So the cheaper ones, ours leaves this kind of coffee dust that is super finely ground because it's picking up certain pieces and regrinding them, but in general, pretty good. So they have some nicer ones that you're looking at a hundred or 200 bucks for a really nice grinder. Ours is a little bit cheaper. A burr grinder at home is better than a burr grinder at the store. Cause you can do it right before you make the coffee, which is the ideal situation. We didn't even talk about storing the beans or anything. You're supposed to store them in a dark place in an airtight canister. We don't have that, but maybe one day we'll have an airtight canister. So the grind that you use depends on the apparatus. Super important because you will break things or break yourself if you don't use the right one. Mm. It's dangerous. Which brings us to what all this is for. Drinking the coffee. Drinking the coffee. So when you make a good cup of coffee, you just feel accomplished. Especially when you do it by one of these manual methods instead of a K-cup or a drip coffee maker. It just feels right. If you can pull your own shot of espresso, it's really impressive. I can't do that. But I love drinking coffee out of a ceramic mug. We have a thing for collecting mugs from around the world. That's kind of our thing. We like to, when we go places, we like to get them different cities and different countries. And there's something about drinking it out of a ceramic cup that makes a huge difference as opposed to like a metal travel mug or plastic something. And most mugs probably are ceramic, but there is vastly different shapes and styles. And so we each kind of have our go-to. It's funny, actually, some of my favorite mugs are still in Slovenia at our apartment there. But my favorite one here recently has been the, I feel like all women have this or love it, the Anthropology Initial mugs. So I have the kind of cream off-whites with an N on it. And I just love it. It's just fun to pour this awesome coffee into it with my favorite mug. And my favorite, which I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with because I knocked it over and spilled coffee on my computer with this one, but it's a Bodum coffee mug. I don't even know if they make this same one now. I think they make a glass one, but not a ceramic one. It's kind of crazy. It has a rubber sleeve on it, but it's basically just a cylinder. There's no handle. The rubber sleeve makes it so that it's not too hot to hold. And it's just, it's really a neat little coffee cup we got as a gift. I also use the Contigo travel mug. If I'm on the go and I want to take coffee with me, coffee is not as good out of a metal metal container. It kind of gets a metallic taste. But the Contigo is really nice because you can hold it upside down and it won't spill as long as you don't drop it. Because once you drop it, the seal kind of busts and breaks and you're going to spill coffee everywhere all the time. There's also a a keep cup, which I've never used, but they're pretty slick. They're kind of, you can use them for, you know, espresso-based drinks or they have larger ones for just travel coffee if you want. That's, they're really, it's kind of a coffee aficionado's cup. And they, a lot of times, will have branded by the different coffee shops. So that pretty much wraps up the process of coffee. Yeah, it's it's good. If you're going to drink coffee drink good coffee. There's a little bit of an investment, but over the long haul, especially if you're using the K-cup stuff right now, it's not more than that. It's, it's less to buy beans, roast your own coffee, make them in a Chemex, and drink your own out of a favorite mug than it is to buy one Keurig machine. That's true. 
and there, you get way more reuse out of this, the Chemex side of things and buying your own beans. And your friends are going to be impressed and it gives you something to talk about with them. That's fun. The community of it, inviting people over, tell them to come try your new coffee and have great conversation. Coffee is a gift from God. And so we should use that gift to its full potential. But no shame. If, if it's not your thing, if you don't like coffee, it's you've, okay. You've probably stopped listening way before now if coffee is not your thing. And we always half make slash encourage people when they come over and we have coffee for them of our homebrewed coffee. We insist that they try it first without any cream or sugar because they're very surprised. That's not what they're expecting for a cup of coffee. And so even if you every day put cream and sugar in your coffee, try it without the black. It doesn't taste bitter. It tastes pure and delightful and delicious. Exactly how it should taste. That's how it should taste. I think we unpacked this thing. I think we have really walked through the paces of coffee. Pretty thoroughly. Pretty thorough. So if people want to connect with us, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at Jay Shirk. Nikki's at N Shirkman. You can find us at our websites. I'm jshirk.com. Nikki's Nikki Shirkman. Nikki with one K Shirkman.com. You can get in touch with us by email by emailing us feedback at unpacked.co and we'll both get your emails there. And you can find everything we talked about in the show notes. Be sure to leave us a rating on iTunes, five stars if you like it so other people can find it too. Thanks for listening and we look forward to seeing you the next time we unpack something for God's glory and you're good on Unpacked. Unpacked.